Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. David here once again. Really excited um, for the podcast this week. I'm always excited, but today I'm excited because I've got exciting news. Um, I just looked over the main segment and, and sketched that out. I'm really excited with what I've got to share with you there. And I'm also really excited about the questions in the mailbag today. So really exciting day. I'm also, oh, the fourth thing I'm excited about is that as of the time that I'm recording this, we have passed 10,000 downloads for this podcast, which is a really big deal. I mean, that's a lot of people if you think about it. Even if you don't think about it, that's a lot of people um, downloading a lot of episodes. And I just, I'm really thankful for your listenership. I'm really thankful to have you here and to have people on the other side of the airwaves listening to this Um Surely if people weren't listening, I wouldn't do this anymore, but I know this has been helpful to folks. Hopefully it's been helpful to you, and I'm really excited to just hop in here every week and get to share with you what I'm thinking about lighting. So on the topic of that, if you've enjoyed this show, but maybe you're new to Learn Stage Lighting, head over to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz, where I've just got a couple quick questions to ask you so that I can send you a free guide that's personalized to the type of lighting that you do. So head over to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz and uh, grab that free guide. Awesome, guys. Let's dive in to lighting news. All right. In the news this week is a continuation of last week's story. Um, I had mentioned that M-Series by Alation, formerly by Martin, had been, you know, purchased a few months ago, and they had announced that they were going to announce a countdown to their new name because they have to rename as part of the deal um, the, 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 in the buyout, and you know that's fine. A lot of these bigger companies, um, like Harman, which is owned by Samsung, which is who they bought the console from, you know, big companies don't like you to have their names, and that's understandable. They worked hard to make that name, and they don't want there to be any confusion, and so. Alation has just announced yesterday that they're making the consoles their own brand called Obsidian and that it's going to launch exactly one month from a few days ago. So no matter when you're listening to this, that date is on August 15th, 2018. So that's the day that they're going to unveil the new name, the new names of the consoles, I believe. And, you know, I'm not sure what else is coming with that announcement, but if you do use M-Series, um, head over to obsidiancontrols.com or flip over to the show notes in your podcast app, and um, we'll have that link right there for you. You can check it out. You can sign up for an email so that you'll get an email when they launch the stuff, and you can go check it all out. Other than that, guys, I'm really excited today for our main segment because today we're going to talk about creating and using your first effects. So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about intensity, focus, color, and beam. And we talk about it in the context of lighting, and we say that when you want to make a change on the stage, these are kind of four levers that you can pull to make that change. There are four different things you can, you can work with on the stage in order to make that change so that things freshen up, so that you transition with the music, etc., and if you want to make a lot of change on stage, you know, then change two or three or four of them and you'll really get a big change on the stage. Well, the 
other lever, it's really a whole second set of levers, another four levers, is effects. Because we can change anything on the stage to from one static look where things aren't changing at all to another static look where things aren't changing at all. And that's great. And that's a great way to start. And that's a great way thing for slower songs or songs where you, you just want to give the audience a little bit of a break. But there's a lot of mid-tempo and faster songs where you want to see movement on that stage. And that's going to be with effects. Now, effects, when I say movement, you don't have to have moving lights. You just have to have a console that has at least some basic effects functionality built in. So what does that look like? Well, you, you don't need to have an expensive console or, or anything complex, first of all. Something as simple as Entex DMXs or, you know, D-Pro or Show Express or My DMX. There's, there's lots of different consoles out there that are kind of at the basic level that often run on a computer that you're able to build effects in. And what an effect is pretty much at its core is you taking a parameter, a, a piece of the light, one thing that the light can do, whether that's intensity focus color or beam related, whether that's, you know, color change, intensity, you know, um, gobos, etc., movement, you know, things like that. And you take that parameter and you have the console oscillated. Basically, you have the console move that value. So you, you generally start with a base point and you can, this is getting a little more complex, but the console can get the base point from either where the lights are at now, or you can set a base point in your effects queue, okay? And then you're going to apply a size or a swing to that. And, and every different console is going to have a different way that it describes this, but at its core, basically, it's just saying, okay, from that base point, from where we start, how far from that point do we want this to swing? How far do we want it to move in either direction or maybe just in one direction? Maybe we just want it to go up from where we started or to just go down from where we started. There, there's a lot of options, but we're sticking with the basics here today. So you, you've set it up. You've set the attribute you want to work with to build your effect or, or attributes. There could be multiple. You then set the swing or the size of that effect, how far off of that point you want it to move, but still nothing's actually happening in your console and nothing's actually happening on the stage because we've got to set a speed. Now, speed is probably pretty obvious, right? It's how fast does it move, okay? So it's moving the value from the base point to the maximum uh, size or swing, and speed is simply, okay, how quick does it do that, right? And the console may express that in a percentage. It may express that in a BPM. Um, who knows? But regardless, the more you generally turn that speed knob or dial, the faster things get. And when you're working with effects, there's really good times to do effects that run really slow and really fast and a lot of time to run effects that are in the middle. So once we set our speed, now we need to set a shape or a mode or a type. Um, again, it really depends on on what your specific console is that you're using, but we want to set how it gets from that base point to its maximum. Okay, how does it get there? At, at a most basic form, 
it could just go there straight in a linear fashion, like a straight line. You know, if it's the, the tilt and you start at zero and you want to go to 50%, you know, then it could go straight there in a linear fashion. If it's the intensity, it goes from zero to full. It could do that in just a straight line. So zero to full, full to zero. And it could just run that effect back and forth in a straight linear line. And, and that's cool. And sometimes that's what you want. But other times you may want a different shape. And so inside of a, a modern console or software, something like that, there's going to be a variety of shapes. Generally, the sine wave type shape is the, um, the default. So it kind of starts off a little slow and then it ramps a little faster and then it ends uh, a little softer. And, and that especially looks good when doing pan and tilt movement, but it looks good with, with any effect. Um, it, it just depends on what you're trying to create. But then you could also have a shape that's called a ramp, which is a little steeper at the start and end and a little slower in the middle. Um, it it kind of gives things a little bit more of a hurried look. You could have literally just a chasing where it goes from zero to the, the maximum swing instantly and then back. So at the speed, it goes, you know, it just jumps there and then it waits and then it jumps to the next place and it jumps there and it jumps back. Um, you could do that. There's there's lots of options. It's, it's really going to depend on your console as to what the shapes are that you've got built in and what you can use. But there's generally at least a few of them. And then once we've done these parameters, so we've set our lighting parameter, we've set the effect size, we've set the speed, we've set the shape. So now all of our lights, if we did it like this, are probably all doing the effect at the same time. So they're all coming, they're all following the same curve and all the lights do the same thing at the same time. And that's not that exciting, to be honest, okay? Sometimes it's what you want, but most of the time it's not what you want. And so this is where we provide an offset where we say, okay, let's offset so that the fixtures all do this at different times. And there's whole varieties. There's so many different ways you can do this. Um, some consoles like Grand MA, is going to do offset by default. As you begin dialing in that effect, it's going to automatically apply a nice even offset across all your fixtures. Other consoles like Hog and um, M-Series, and I think Vista, um, a lot of those, you know, DMXs, um, etc., are not going to apply an offset by default because their their idea, their thought process behind it, as best I can tell, is you, you dial in the effect first across all the lights so it's very clear what you're dialing in, and then you apply that offset to make it look really good. And so applying an offset could mean that you have it nice and evenly spread across all the fixtures that, you know, at any point in time, some of them are going up, some of them are going down, and some of them are in the middle. But you can also kind of steer it towards one side or the other, so you could have kind of almost a wave look, like a an ocean wave, you know, maybe you have 20 lights set up from left to right running in intensity or a color chase, okay? 20 LED lights left to right, you know, running in intensity chase. And you set the offset to kind of put all the lights doing the effect kind of in one area. And so you, you work with that offset and then all of a sudden, you know, you just see this wave go across your lights and back and off and back. And it's kind of got some motion to it because... It, it doesn't affect the whole lighting rig at once. So there's really a lot of options here. And I just kind of wanted to, in this segment, briefly go over the basics. So when you do create an effect, it's, it's really not something that's super complex. 
And you might be saying to yourself right now, well, okay, David, that's, that's great. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to follow what you said here. I'm going to give a, a parameter. I'm going to apply a size. I'm going to apply a speed. I'm going to apply a shape. I'm going to apply an offset and okay, well, that's nice, but that only looks so good. Well, the real magic that happens is, you know, and this really depends on your console, but is when you start to combine effects together. When you start to go ahead and have an intensity and a color effect, and maybe you add a movement effect too, maybe you have a beam effect, maybe you, you know, stop the movement and just do color and intensity, maybe you do color and movement, movement and intensity. As you begin to build different effects and then combine them all together, that's where the, the real magic, that's where things really start to happen in your lighting. And you're really able to make some really complex looking things in your show. And then just to kind of sprinkle a little else into your mind is that you can really, really make it look magical when you get control over the speed of the effect and you modify that as you're working live. And so this is something obviously if you're running your, your show from stage with DMXs, you're probably not going to modify this live. But if you're running lights for somebody, for a music group, for a worship band, for a rock band, whatever, for a DJ, having the ability to grab those attributes and, and work with the speed live can really be a game changer and really not only save you time, but also help you make a really cool show. And so... With that, guys, that's a lot of technical info there in 10 minutes, but um, I hope that that makes sense to you and that helps you if you haven't made effects before or maybe you've made effects, but you're just, sometimes you get stuck or, you know, you can't figure out what to do next. Just like thinking about IFCB, you can use the how to build your first effects. You can use this process that I just talked through to help inspire you to start. And then once you start creating something, You'll be freed up in the middle to really be creative and, and create some new things that you haven't done before. Now, I'm going to link to some resources in the show notes. Um, inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, first of all, there's um, a number of videos on effects in all the different consoles. But I'll also link to um, a video that I did in the 30 days from, to become a lighting ninja. That was just a month or two ago. Um, if you were are with this live, um, we went in on YouTube and I gave a really good introduction um, to effects. And so I'm going to link to that as well. All right. Also, if you're running lights on the, on the fly, um, there is an action plan inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs called Pantastical, which is the complete guide from scratch to how should you lay out your console when you're running things on the fly? How should you record effects? Where should you program them? Etc. And And I show you how to do it in different consoles as well. So if you're interested in all of that, check out the links in the show notes and you'll be able to see for the things in Learn Stage Lighting Labs where they are and how to join the labs if you're not a member. And uh, for the stuff on YouTube, um, of course, you're able to just go click on that and check that out. Now, let's go ahead and dive into our mailbag. All right, the mailbag, for those of you who are new here, is the portion of the show where I copy and paste some emails that have come in via the contact form at learnstagelighting.com slash contact, and I answer them here. So this is essentially my first time actually reading through the detail of these messages so that you can see not only the answer, but also the thought process that 
I come to as I answer these emails. Of course, if at any point you're looking for more information, you want to dive deeper or get some extra help, how to and uh, access to premium resources, go ahead and check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. That's my membership community where you're able to dive in with uh, other people who want to more learn more about lighting. You can grab some really in-depth how-to videos, the best stuff I've ever made. You can get in our forums, ask questions, get the help you need. So our first question comes from Marshall, and uh, he writes in. He said, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, the podcast, I believe. Uh, he's saying uh, it's exactly what he needs right now. So a group from his church um, wants to start their own band to play outside the church. They want to play other venues. They... Uh, they want to, they're trying to figure out equipment. Okay, so they figured out um, $2,000 for audio and, and um, they want to spend $1,000 to work with on lighting. Now, the church had some old stuff, uh, audio and lighting gear that they weren't using. And so um, Marshall went through and, and said, okay, here's what's good, here's what's bad, here's what you need, here's what you don't need. Um, and they're hoping to sell some other stuff and make a thousand bucks to spend on gear, so blah, 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 blah. Um, and so he's talked about using software and personal laptops, and then he's talking about maybe a standalone controller, like a Shave Obey 40 or 70. Then they said, well, they want a controller with stackable playback faders and buttons. So he showed them the Light Shark, on which they're interested but don't want to make the investment. They need it as soon as possible, et cetera, et cetera. So you want one universal DMX, stackable playback faders and buttons, hardware, good moving head support, and an effects engine. So, yeah, Marshall, um, you can't have everything for no money. And you've probably learned this before. And I work with the church a lot, and I work with church people, and I work with my church. And so I know a few things about, you know, the church, the dynamics that happen there. And so I understand how they got here. They want everything but they don't want to run it on a PC and they don't want to spend a lot of money. And so the first disclaimer is, well, you can't have everything, but what I would probably recommend is, you know, in the short term, ah, there's, it's so tough. I mean, you, you mentioned the MIDI controller and computer. Like I would go with DMXs, honestly, because if you're not familiar with NTEX DMXs, you buy it for about $290 or about 300 bucks, somewhere around there. And you get the software and you get a box that comes with it. And then you program your songs in. You can even trigger, trigger it out of Ableton or a DAW like that. And then you can run it from the stage with a foot switch or from an audio DAW. And your show just runs with the music um, as long as you trigger it. Okay. It's a really great piece of software. And it's really designed for bands that are gigging, which is exactly what this is. You know, sure, you want to be able to have everything stack playbacks and buttons, but you just can't do it for that budget, you know? And and I think you know this, Marshall, and you're you're trying to, you know, find a miracle here. So my two options are, it's like if you're going to have somebody running the lights and you want to dedicate to someone, someone to that and you have someone good who's going to be doing that every show, you know, who can learn, then I would probably buy the Light Shark um, LS Core, which is just the computer, just the console, and then you can plug in a computer or use a tablet wirelessly to control it, okay? That's that's one great way to do it. And and that's a great option. 
if you have somebody to run the lights. Or else, I would really consider, I would look strongly at DMXs. You're not going to have somebody running the lights, but you said you've got, I think, $1,000 for the console. Uh, I'm not sure. Or or how much you have exactly budget for the console. But I would get DMXs. You don't get stackable playback faders and buttons, but what you do get is a console that's built from the ground up, a piece of software that's built from the ground up for musicians to run their show from stage. And even if they don't want to run it from stage, if they want you or somebody else to run it from front of house, you can still sit there with the foot pedal, and that means you could run sound theoretically and also press the lighting scenes, okay? And so I would really recommend that. You know, DMXs, especially with moving heads, you're talking about moving heads, though. I don't know what you're going to have in the short term because you don't have a lot of, a lot of money there. Um, you know, DMXs does moving heads well. It takes, if you get a lot of DMX channels into it, you know, getting closer to that full universe, it's pretty laborious to program. But the upside of that is it's simple, it's easy to use. And once you program in your songs for your show, you don't have to do anything else. You just play it back every time. You just rearrange the songs in order and play it back every time. So that's going to be my recommendation. Either run it from stage, use DMXs. Um, you could even buy a PC if you need to, but um, DMXs is super lightweight on computers, and I've seen it running on some really old computers, and it's fine. It runs PC or Mac, and um, if you don't like that idea, I would go with Lightshark, man, and I would I would get the LS Core because then you're not running it on a computer. You just need to get a tablet or some other control surface. Um, I've used both a used iPad mini and a Samsung tablet that I bought each for around uh, under $150 used on Swappa.com. I'll link to that, as well as these um, two console recommendations in the show notes. All right. Jesse writes in and says, I've been doing stage lighting for a few years, but all my stuff was par 64 with dimmer packs. Um, but now... You know, you want to, you have some, maybe some LEDs, some consoles. How do you program DMX? How long does it take? Well, Jesse, this is a bit of a loaded question in the sense that when you get to LED, color changing lights, moving lights, things like that, there's a lot of different consoles that you are able to use, and they all have different amounts of complexity. Just like I was just talking about here to Marshall, you can control moving lights with a pretty basic, easy-to-use console. But you could also control the same moving lights with a very complex, very difficult-to-learn console. And the difference between the two is that with the console that has a bigger learning curve, generally, and I'm making generalizations here, but with the console with the bigger learning curve, you're going to have more flexibility to do things live on the fly you're going to have more detail that you can program in. You're going to have more features, more ways to get really complex with your programming and stuff like that. With the simpler console, you may not be able to do everything the lights can do, but it's simple and it's quicker. So to answer the question, Jesse, this is a really loaded question. Um, once you get used to it and once you learn the console, you'll likely be able to program pretty quick, almost as quick or maybe as quick as you were with all your par cans. But it really depends on what that console is. And and because you didn't mention um, what console you're using, I have no idea what you have or how complex it is. It might be the right tool for the job or he might not have the best tool for the job. And so I'll link to a post, Jesse, about finding your first lighting console that 
kind of talks about these different types of consoles, especially when you're running LEDs and color changing stuff. And uh, that, that should help you a little bit. But ultimately, um, because I, I don't know what you're using, uh, I really can't help any more than that. Jeffrey wrote in and said um, he's looking for somewhere he can go to be taught hands-on programming and lighting designing. Lighting design is new equipment. Okay, so you're so you're a designer um, from the '80s and you've worked with analog consoles, um, park hands, etc. But now you're looking for a way to learn the new stuff. Okay, so this is actually a lot like Jesse was talking about. Jeffrey, your two questions actually go really well together because ultimately, when the first thing you want to do, and this is tough, is you want to find the right console. You want to find the best console for what you're doing and then because every console works a little bit differently and what i found um is you know especially if if you're going to own the console and you're going to do stuff for bands is you want to find a console and learn that one console and become great at that one console in the role that i'm in when i do lighting design i'm often provided a console by the production company and so i have to learn multiple consoles now, I found when you learn about two or three of these professional-level consoles, like the Random A, the Hog, the M-Series, which is being rebranded to Obsidian here uh, coming soon, or Vista, when you learn one of these consoles, actually, let's not say Vista there because it's a little different, you can, you can learn another one, and it takes a little time. But when you learn two of them, you kind of start to generalize things and learn how these consoles work in general. And when you've kind of mastered two of these types of consoles, you can jump on any other type of console and pick it up pretty quick. But back to your question, I went kind of on a tangent there. The best way to learn first is to choose the console that you're going to be using. I recommend, man, I would check out M-Series, MPC, um, soon to be rebranded as Obsidian, now in violation. It's a killer piece of software. They have some great hardware options, and you can get started for not a lot of money. So that's why I like that. I'll link to a post about beginning with MPC um, in the show notes. And so I would get that console. And then if you want to go hands-on, I believe they are going to. Again, they're still rebranding it because they just bought the console from Martin. But I believe they'll do some in-person training. I also offer M-Series training. I have a basics webinar that happens every month. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, we might have a little bit of time between webinars here in August of 2018 as they're um, rebranding things and uh, just kind of waiting on that. But regardless, um, you can come to one of my free webinars. I've also got videos on YouTube on how to use it. And so I'll link to that playlist on YouTube that shows you how to program an M-Series. It's very similar to the webinar, but you can't ask questions, obviously, um, like you can on a live webinar. And then inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, as I've talked about elsewhere on this podcast, I've got a variety of M-Series tutorials. And, and as they rebrand and relaunch, I'm going to have more tutorials than ever before as I'm going through and I'm re-recording all of them once this happens. And so I'll put a link to uh, Labs as well so that you can get that information, see if maybe Learn Stage Lighting Labs is right for you, having access to um, all these videos, as well as the ability to ask questions in the interactive user forums. Awesome, guys. Well, there, I finally gotten pretty much mostly caught up on the questions. I know a lot came through, and I got um, a little bit behind over time, but that's okay. It's a lot of fun to answer your questions, and uh, hopefully it's helpful to you, too. 
In closing, don't forget that today's show notes are at learnstagelighting.com slash 025 or in your podcast app here. And if you are new to this podcast and you haven't checked out my free guide yet, go to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz and you'll be able to download a free guide that's geared at your type of lighting. I'm just going to ask you to answer a couple questions so I can send you the right guide. All right, guys, that's it for today. I'm really excited to see you guys next week. Thanks for 10,000 downloads and uh, adios. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.